Is there such a thing as God? If so, who is he and what is he like? Can you know or does it even matter? The spectrum of belief regarding a creator of the universe is wide, almost beyond comprehension. Tens of thousands of denominations point to a sole creative power as the initiating force for life, and countless more individuals hold their own unique views on the topic. Many in our current society view the entire concepts of religion and the existence of a higher power to be repugnant and even dangerous. Still others, and this group is rapidly growing in numbers, believe the question of who is God to be unanswerable and even unimportant. Is agnosticism the most sensible path forward? With so many viewpoints out there, is it possible to know the truth? If God exists, is it possible to know God? The existence of God has been a favorite topic on this program since Tomorrow's World first began to air. It's a topic we look forward to continue exploring on future programs as it is such a foundational issue and there is an abundance of relevant information to sort through. Yes, there is a God. He orchestrated the creation of all things and that includes you and me. We were not created to be ignored or left as an afterthought. We are not some science experiment whose creator set it in motion and then stepped back only to observe from afar. Who is the creator of the universe? He is a God you can know. Join us on today's program as we ask and answer one of the most important questions. Can you know God? It's no secret that the world is becoming increasingly blind to the existence of a creator. Part of what has allowed this blindness to become so prevalent in this age is that even many of those who profess belief in God rarely go beyond God is great, God is wise, God is powerful, and God is loving. The theoretical never becomes tangible and thus real to them. He is grand, but too grand to comprehend and therefore barely even thought of. The reality is that these facets are how God reveals himself to us. And he reveals to us what he wants us to know about him. They are the keys to building a relationship with him and growing from knowing that a God exists to knowing the true God. On today's program, we are going to just barely begin to scratch the surface on four ways that God reveals himself to us. Four routes that you can take to better know God. I hope you'll take the time to think about these ways in which God reveals himself and come to a deeper appreciation for him. Throughout today's program, I'm going to be offering you opportunities to request one of the newest booklets available from Tomorrow's World. In John 3.16, Hidden Truths of the Golden Verse, Mr. Gerald Weston describes how this one oft-repeated verse contains some incredible truths and is an instrumental verse in getting to know God. Be sure to have a pen and paper ready to write down the phone number or contact information and get in touch with us to receive your free copy. Before we get into our first point, I do want you to ask yourself a question. If you could get to know anyone on the earth, who would it be? The queen, a president, the CEO of a major corporation, an esteemed educator or famous athlete. How much would you value just a one-hour, one-on-one meeting with that individual? What if you found out that the person you're thinking of genuinely wanted to get to know you? 
Would you jump at that opportunity? A sad reality of human nature is that when presented with opportunities, we sometimes assume that they will always be there and so take our time and fail to act on them. God isn't going anywhere, so you could convince yourself that there's no rush and should be in no hurry in getting to know Him. He'll be there when you're ready. Please don't take this approach. A relationship with the Creator is not something that should be delayed or put off. Now, let's get into examining how to know God, four ways in which He reveals Himself to us. God reveals Himself through His creation. Have you ever taken the time to watch someone create something? Whether it's a carpenter or artist or perhaps a very good chef, there's no shortage of shows available where you can watch such things. When you see someone put everything they have into the finest of details, you can learn a lot about that person. The care that God put into His creation is nothing short of awe-inspiring. Think about it for a moment. God could have simply designed the universe to be functional, to exist. He could have made the earth perfectly smooth, no mountains, no valleys, minimal rivers. He didn't have to design light to refract in such a way that we are given a new painted tapestry every evening when the sun sets. For that matter, there is no reason why He needed to create color in the first place. The world could have been created in black and white and we wouldn't even know what we'd be missing. God appreciates beauty. He appreciates and designed the world to be filled with variety. Now this is in contrast to how many view God. They look at His law and declare that God wants everyone to be stiff robots, all exactly alike with no individuality whatsoever. This couldn't be further from the truth. God sets the bounds of how far variety can go. He establishes boundaries of right and wrong. But one cannot look at the world around us and honestly come to the conclusion that God does not love variety. Here's a detail in scripture that we should pause for a moment to reflect on. Colossians 1 verse 16 is instrumental in understanding how creation occurred. This is speaking of Christ. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. This is a key verse in helping us to understand who Jesus Christ really is that He was not only present at creation, but that He was the one doing the creating. Now, we have to be careful not to take God the Father out of the equation. It says that all things were created through the one who would become Jesus Christ. God the Father was no mere spectator. He was the guiding force, and the two beings collectively designed and shaped the universe. Consider the words spoken to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? God designed a universe with perfect systems. Someone had to decide the speed at which light travels. Someone had to decide the strength of gravity. A remarkable aspect of creation is that the systems are in place so perfectly that some have allowed themselves to conclude that they just came into being on their own. If God had to recalibrate gravity every few months, or realize that He had made the Himalayas too big and needed to bring them down just a little bit, no one could argue that it was created because He would have to constantly be tinkering with it. God's creation is precise. It is perfect. His creation reveals to us an idea of the scope of His power, His attention to detail, 
and his desire for quality and variety. I'll be back in a moment to discuss more ways God reveals himself to us. John 3.16 has often been called the golden verse and is one of the most memorized and cited passages of Scripture. Have you heard it so much that it has simply become a slogan rather than something that you put deep thought into? We only have time to examine four ways God reveals himself to us. This free booklet gives additional ways in which this one verse can help you to truly know God. Let me tell you how you can get this exciting booklet free. Just dial the number on your screen and ask for John 316. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. There's no catch. We simply believe that reading this booklet will change how you view this important scripture and want to provide it to you at no charge. It will make a great addition to your library. So call us now or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, I will give it again later in the program. Welcome back. Life did not come into existence through random chance. It was created by an all-powerful God who took extreme care in His creation. But it was not created and then abandoned. It was created by a God you can know. We're examining four methods through which God reveals Himself to mankind. Four ways that you can come to know your Creator. The first way God reveals Himself to us is, God reveals Himself through His creation. The second is that God reveals Himself through His Word. When someone writes an autobiography, they have to choose which details to include and which details to leave out. A variety of factors come into play when deciding what to do with each detail. But if the author's goal is to create a window into who he is, then you would imagine the details included would be what he wants you to know about him. I've heard the Bible described in many ways. Perhaps the best brief way of stating what this book is was given by the late Dr. Roderick C. Meredith, a long-serving editor-in-chief and presenter for Tomorrow's World. He described the Bible as the mind of God. Paul records a passage in his second epistle to Timothy which we often point to when discussing the veracity of the Bible. Some will try to claim that God exists and that the Bible is accurate, but then try to throw out certain passages that do not agree with their agenda. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This verse ties every passage of scripture to the same foundation. If some areas of this text are fairy tales, then this verse is completely false. This verse also gives us an important key into knowing our Creator. If every word here is inspired by God, God breathed as it could be translated, then every passage is a revelation of who that loving Father is. We could record a dozen programs going through all the passages telling us who God is. When it comes to someone so powerful, so wise, Perhaps we can learn more about God through what he tells us he cannot do. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God who cannot lie. This isn't trying to persuade us that God's not smart enough to figure out how lying works. How many parents instruct their children that lying is wrong, but also tell them that if they misbehave, they'll end up on Santa's naughty list? 
Don't even get me started on political leaders. It often happens that those in authority create a set of rules, good rules, logical rules, but then a situation comes along where, in my judgment, it's better for everyone if I don't abide by the rules this time. God inspired this verse to indicate to us that He is not that way. He has set a boundary for Himself that wrong is wrong, and that the character He desires for each of us is a reflection of His own. You want to get to know God? Take a peek into His mind. God reveals Himself through His Word. The third way in which God reveals Himself to us is God reveals Himself through His law. As pointed out before, God is working in us to develop the very character which He personifies. To that end, just as He set a boundary on Himself, willing Himself to never lie, He has also established boundaries for our actions, categorizing them as either sin or righteousness. Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts." David wasn't wiser than his teachers simply because he memorized some cute phrases. He kept God's law mindfully, thinking through what he was doing and why God would have put that in place. He saw how things worked out when he obeyed God, and how they deteriorated when he didn't. He gained insight into the nature of man as he recognized what tempted him to disobey. Let's just skim through the Ten Commandments, the core of God's law. But let's read while asking ourselves this important question. What does obeying this law teach us about God? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain." How many people believe that God initiated life, but He's happy to observe from afar? This law reveals that He wants you to know who He is. He doesn't want blind adoration or worship for its own sake. He cares how we picture Him, how we speak of Him, not for His sake, but for ours. He doesn't want our imagination to interfere with our relationship with Him. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Not only does He want a relationship with you, He has specifically ordained for you to set aside time for that relationship, time to draw close to God, to reflect on these things. The remaining commandments reveal that God cares how we treat each other, and that He cares what kind of character we have. He wants us to reflect His very nature and character. We'll get into that incredible plan in the next part of our program in just a few moments. But before we do, I want to encourage you to take us up on today's offer and request your free copy of John 3.16, Hidden Truths of the Golden Verse. This booklet goes into much greater detail on what God's Word and His law reveal about God. To request your free copy, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for John 316. You can also order online at twcanada.org. Have you ever asked, where is the world headed? What does the future hold for me? 
or if morality even matters anymore. Tomorrow's World magazine answers these questions and more, and will also be sent to you free of charge. So call us right now or visit us online to get your free copy of John 316 and Tomorrow's World magazine. Enjoy the rest of the program. I hope you're enjoying today's program on A God You Can Know. The belief that God is an unreachable and unrelatable being is a dangerous one. As we continue looking at just a few of the ways God reveals himself to mankind, let me ask you a question. If you had unlimited intellect, unlimited resources, unlimited power, and perhaps most importantly, unlimited time, in other words, if you could do absolutely anything, or nothing at all if that was your desire, what would you do? While you're thinking about that, let me ask you another question. What does the answer to that question reveal about you? I'd argue that it reveals a lot. It certainly reveals what you value, what your priorities are. This was God's situation. He could do absolutely anything or nothing at all. The fourth way in which God reveals himself to us is that God reveals himself through his plan. Some people view the Bible as simply a list of do's and don'ts, reading it only to evaluate whether or not what they want to do is permissible. Individuals who take such an approach are missing out. God could have supplied us with such a list and nothing more. The Bible would have been a much quicker read if that were the case. But he chose not to. He chose to create a universe. He chose to create mankind. He chose to create you. It's reasonable to ask why. God gives us the why and in doing so, tells us a lot about himself. Is life itself the purpose? Let's turn to the book of Job for the answer, as Job asks a question we are all confronted with at one point or another. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. Job was looking towards a future change. God desires the end result of the current project he is working on, you. But you and I are not yet a finished product. We require the change described by Job. David also wrote about this future change. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Paul depicts this change vividly. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or remain dead for eternity. But we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. That same trumpet which will announce the return of Christ will also announce the change of God's people. But what is the end result of this change? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We are routinely described in Scripture as the children of God. This is not meant to be metaphorical. The Apostle John confirms that this will be the final step in truly coming to know God in a more profound way than is currently possible. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Seeing what God's goal is, the next question we face is, what was he willing to give for it? John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He was willing to see his firstborn killed that he might fulfill his desire for you and for me. While many focus on Christ's sacrifice in this act, something which cannot be overlooked, I'd like to read from today's featured offer a short passage on this act. We often hear professing Christians talk with great feeling about the role Jesus plays in our salvation. Of course, we should have deep feelings of gratitude and indebtedness for his sacrifice. These feelings are very commendable. But what about the role of the Father? How often is he overlooked in considering this, left out of the picture? Yet in John 3.16, the role of the one who gave his Son is primary. For God, the Father, so loved the world that he, the Father, gave his, again the Father, only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, Christ, should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's so much more that could be said about God's plan than we have time for on today's program. For example, we just read that everlasting life was dependent on belief in Christ. And by belief, it means true, genuine belief leading to obedience. Yet when one considers the millions who have lived and died without ever even knowing the name of Jesus, let alone what it represents, one must ask how that squares with 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, or patient, toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. No doubt millions have died without coming to repentance. Does this point to the powerlessness of God? Does it point to an unfair God? The answer to those questions lies in one of the most perpetually misunderstood aspects of God's plan. The answer begins in John 3.16, as do many more fascinating truths which reveal much more about your Creator than most think is possible. I hope that you'll take just a few moments of your time to call and order your copy of John 3.16, Hidden Truths of the Golden Verse. And beyond just ordering it, that when it arrives you'll set aside some time, get out your Bible, and confirm that this booklet is true to Scripture. The truths revealed here are invaluable. They are life-changing in the most spectacular way. God is not some distant, unknowable force. He is real, and He wants you to know Him. He reveals Himself in many ways. On today's program, we've briefly examined four. God reveals Himself through His creation, through His Word, through His law, and through His plan. Take the time to think about these various aspects and what they teach us about the greatest power in the universe. He reveals himself in many ways, but it is up to us to recognize these revelations and to use them to draw closer to him. Be sure to keep tuning in to Tomorrow's World on television or online as Gerald Weston, Stuart Wachowicz, and I will continue to provide insight into current and future events and examine biblical solutions to many of life's greatest problems by sharing with you the wonderful news of Tomorrow's World. To learn more about today's topic, visit www.twcanada.org.
You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 465, London, Ontario, N6P1R1. Three of the four Gospels relate Christ's reply to a question asked by some who followed the traditions of the Pharisees. His response has been the source of much query, conjecture, and interpretation. What did Christ mean when he warned against putting new wine in old wineskins? This question refers to Christ's statement, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. To understand what Christ was teaching, let us look at the context of the statement. Jesus was answering a question from some of the religious leaders of Judah as to why his disciples did not fast in the manner of the traditions of the Pharisees, requiring fasting on two days of each week. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus' response was not a direct one, but he provides examples of two situations where a certain action would not give a desirable result. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. In those days, fabric was not pre-shrunk, and so putting a patch of new fabric on a garment that had been washed would have resulted in the patch tearing away when the item of clothing was laundered. Secondly, when new wine was poured into a fresh wineskin, the fermentation process continued and the gases released stretched the fresh skin. An old wineskin is no longer elastic and would have burst if used to complete the fermentation of the new wine. The new cloth and the new wineskin symbolized the new way of life that Christ was teaching, based on a deeper understanding of God's law and its purpose. Christ was saying that the truth he was bringing was being given to those who were willing to be instructed and could not be accepted by those constrained by human design traditions such as those of the Pharisees. Jesus also stated that while he was physically present and teaching his disciples, they did not need to fast for help, guidance, and direction. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Jesus did not want man-made traditions to replace the teaching of Scripture and to supersede sincere understanding of the purpose of human life. To submit a question for the show, email us at twanswers at tomorrowsworld.org. Be sure to watch us online by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. If you like our videos, be sure to subscribe and click the notification bell. You can also visit us online at twcanada.org.
You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living an abundant and happy life while providing insight into current and future events. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of the Living Church of God.